Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. This is a season of holding nothing back. God is an expansive God. God is a stretching God. God is an increasing God. God is a God that wants to do more in your life, far above and beyond what you can ask or think. And this is a season of taking the limits off. This is a season of believing God in big ways. This is a season that we are stretching our capacities because we believe that there is so much that God wants to do. I want to take you to a familiar verse in Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. You all know this verse. It says, trust. Everyone say trust. Trust in the Lord with, everyone say all. All your heart. All of your heart. All that you have. And lean not on your own understanding. In all, everyone say all. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I have found that that is much easier sung about than lived out sometimes. It can be easy to quote that verse and stick it on a refrigerator or a bumper sticker. It can be easy to have that learned in your memorization, but it's another to learn it in life, that I trust in the Lord with all my heart. All means all. All means all. It's like when I tell my kids, finish, did you finish all your dinner? That means all, all your dinner. Did you eat all the food? Did you do all your homework? Did you clean all of your bedroom, right? It's the all, and, and, and all means all. It's completion. It's fulfillment. It's totality. It's, it, it's everything that could be. He's saying, bring to me your faith and your trust with all of you. That means 99% doesn't cut it. That doesn't mean most of it doesn't cut it. That doesn't mean uh, 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 that, that the majority, it means all. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. I've learned this about God over the years, that he doesn't ask for much. He just asks for all. I mean, if you really look at it, he's not asking for a lot. He's just asking for all that you have. And when you look through the word of God, you look at the examples that are laid before us. You are not looking at people that had a lot. You're looking at people that had enough. Enough to answer, will you bring all that you have? When you talk about consecration, you want all. You talk about a marriage, husband and wife. Hopefully you went to that altar on that wedding day and you said, I'm giving you my all. I mean, how sad would that be if you went to the altar and they said, hey, I'm... I'm going to spend the majority of my time with you, but I have this little side fling over here, and you know maybe maybe once a month, once a quarter, about once a year. What if they responded and said, once every ten years, I'm going to go be with this other? I mean, look at the heads and the faces. You think I'm crazy right now? That marriage is annulled before it even starts. That's not even happening. But it's, it's those, when, 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 when God says, trust in the Lord with all, give me all, that, that means there's nothing on the side that's getting anything that belongs to him. It means everything that belongs to you, you get. 
You know, we talk about giving financially. You talk about tithing. Tithing is not about how much of your money you'll give to him. It's about how much of his money will you return to him. Will you give all that he asks for? And from the beginning of time, God has used people that didn't have a lot, but they gave all. In Genesis chapter 15, and I'm going to go through these quick, so if you would jot these down, if you're taking notes. Genesis chapter 15 and verse 2, But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abram said, Look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look, now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said, So shall your descendants be. You want an example of how God can do exceedingly abundantly with the little that you bring. If you'll bring all to him, and Abraham had to bring all his trust. In fact, the, the, the very next verse, I believe, yep, verse six, and he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. He accounted it to him for righteousness. He had to get, for 25 years, he had to give him all that I've got. I don't have a lot. Now, Abram was a very wealthy man in, in material and in finance. He's a very wealthy man. But God didn't ask of him where he had abundance. God asked of him where he had little. Actually, none. Beyond the age of having children. Even if you experience abundance and prosperity in a certain area, it's amazing that God will pull, all you, pull on you in the areas that put him on display, not your prosperity on display. I've watched God pull wealthy people in areas where they didn't have is very uncomfortable. God, I could easily write a check. He said, I don't need a check. I need your faith. I need your trust because so many times what happens is, is we'll sit back on our prosperity in a certain category. You fill in that blank and we can call it God all day long, but really it was us. But God has a way of pulling on the thing in your life that you have little of, maybe none of, but he's looking for you to trust him. It was counted to him his righteousness in Exodus chapter four. See a man named Moses. In verse one, it says, then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? This is the next principle we need to understand is that Usually where God wants to take you, where God wants to take you or where, what God wants to put in your hands is going to start with what you already have in your hand. It's amazing how many times we overlook the things that we do have while we're asking for the thing that we don't have. And while we're at it, we overvalue what we'll do with what we don't have and we undervalue what we can do with what we do have. You'd be surprised with what's in your hand. He says, what's in your hand? Moses says, a staff, a rod. He said, cast it on the ground, and he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. Later on in verse 10 of chapter 4, then Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant." but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. 
He's like, what else you got, Moses? What other excuse you got? What other limitation do you see? What other area of lack and what other area of insufficiency and what other area of deficiency do you see in your life that I, you think I don't have an answer for that I didn't consider before I called you, before I placed that assignment on you? You don't think I knew that already? You don't think I, I, I had a full picture? I, knew, I, I had your resume? I know what you've been through. I know where you've been. I know your struggles. I know your trials. I know your insecurities. I know your issues. I know your past. I still called you. I've still assigned you. I've still given you a great purpose. But Moses isn't done. In verse 15, later on, he he has more complaints. Verse 15, this is God's answer to him. Now you shall speak to him. He's talking about uh, Aaron and put the words in his mouth, his brother Aaron, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and I will teach you what you shall do. Even in Moses' lack, even in Moses' position of running away, he's hiding out. He's not seeking the Lord. God, would you please give me a position of influence? Oh, if you would give me an assignment, I promise I'll obey. He has no interest in that. And God goes and finds him on the run, hiding out on the side of a mountain, taking care of sheep. Says, I've got a great plan. God knows how to take a little and do something great with it. Second King, or I'm sorry, Judges, Judges chapter 7. These are just a few examples. You know that. I could tell you about Noah and his family when unrighteousness was running rampant on the earth. He finds eight people. Really, he finds one man and his family. We don't even have a full guarantee that the other seven were fully living righteous because of Noah's righteousness. He said, I am going to start all over with you. I'm going to wipe the planet with the flood, but I'm going to use you and your family to start this thing back over. I only need a little bit. I only need a few. I only need one. I don't need a whole majority. I don't need everybody. I don't need all the buy-in. I just need one. Give me a little bit. Second Kings, I'm sorry, Judges chapter seven. I keep looking over that one. Judges chapter seven, verse seven. Then the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. God will even take what you think is a comfortable amount and whittle it down to something that proves he had to work on your behalf. They were facing an army of over 100,000, like 120,000 Midianites. Gideon shows up with 32,000. You're already in the red. (laughs) This is not balancing out. I need to add to, not take away. And God starts whittling that, that thing down to 300. He says, I just need 300. What can God do with a little bit? What can God do with a few? What can God do with some? Second Kings chapter four. Second Kings chapter four and verse one. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, your servant, my husband is dead and you know that your servant feared the Lord and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? Once again, what do you have in the house? She said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. But we start with the lack, we start with the deficiency. And then we completely go past the one thing we do have. I have nothing, but she's like, I've already eBayed everything. I've already put everything on Facebook Marketplace. I've got, I've done the best with what I've got. And he says, what's still left in the house? And she says, I've got a jar of oil. 
It's been in the house the whole time. It's been in her care the whole time. He said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it out or pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. And the oil ceased. And she came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debt. You and your sons live on the rest took a nothing but and turned it into more than enough. We have nothing but. And God said, that's all I need. If it's all you have today is a nothing but, what can God do with it? With a trust in him, with a faith in him, what can God do with it? John chapter six. John chapter six. What can God do with a little? In verse one, after these things, Jesus went over the sea of Galilee, which is the sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat with his disciples and the Passover, a feast of the Jews was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, seeing a great multitude coming toward him. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii wouldn't, uh, worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? I don't know how many times I have, I have sat in positions like today, where the intention of my heart may have outweighed the demonstration of my hand, meaning I wish I could do far more than what I could actually do. And then in that position, what I do is I weigh my little bit and I say, what's it even worth giving? And I miss a God moment. Today is not a day of giving in quantity. Today is a day of giving in quality. And I've learned, I've learned, I, I've passed up many opportunities, but I've learned that even just a little bit will do. I'm a part of a organization from the school that I, uh, the Bible school that I graduated from, from Rama. We have a ministerial association and every time we have a minister pass away, we get an email notification that, uh, and this is nationwide. This is not just in my area or my region, nationwide. We get an email that so-and-so passed away and every single time at the bottom, if you would like to contribute or donate to the family, they put the address in there. And of course, for so many years, you just think, wish I could do something, wish I could do something, wish I could do something. And finally, our, our, our national director, Doug Jones, we were in a meeting with him back in Tulsa. And he said, man, when we send those emails out, I, you don't know how many times people overlook those emails because they think, you know, I just, I don't have enough. But if everybody did $20, He said, myself, I give every time, but I don't give probably more than 20 or $25. 
I mean, he's the national director. I mean, if he gave to every single one. But it's in moments like that where we devalue the little bit that we have. While the intentions of our heart would be to do something great, we don't do anything at all. We don't take any step. We don't take any action. That's just not enough. You hear us talking about opening up a coffee shop to reach our community. You hear us talking about opening up a preschool. You hear us talking about expanding and and at minimum a $4 million project to expand on the front of this property, to to purchase additional acreage that's around us that could be near a million dollars in just purchasing additional. And these are large numbers and massive numbers. And most of us don't play with numbers like that on a daily basis. And so we use the intimidation to highlight our limitation and lower our expectation. And the enemy keeps us in small thinking and we don't contribute anything. I mean, what, what kind of silly, it would, it would take a child to show up with five loaves and two fish and say, will this do? It's childlike faith. No adult would approach the master and say, hey, I brought a sandwich. Because the response will be, well, good for you. I've got 4,999 more people to take care of. But yet a little boy had the boldness, the courage, the audacity to believe maybe he could do something with this. With five loaves and two fish feeding 5,000 plus people, didn't even count the women and children. Jesus said, make the people sit down. And there was much grass in the place so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves. When he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. From five loaves and two Fish. How remarkable this miracle must have looked. And when they were filled, he said to his disciples, go up or gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Could it be that by presenting what we think is small, placing it in the master's hands creates such a surplus, what the world might call extravagance, that we'd have to gather up the fragments that are left over. And God says, now watch me do something with the leftovers. You didn't have enough to start with. And now you've got more than you even know what to do with. This is the God we serve. This is the exceedingly abundantly. This is the above all that we can ask or think. They gathered them up, filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. God God took, Jesus took 12 disciples and turned the world upside down. 120 people. Think of all the multitudes. If if 10% of the individuals in this meeting right here, if 500 people has showed up in that upper room and God said, I just need 120 that will seek my face, that will desire my Holy Spirit, that I can pour pour my, my spirit out upon and look at the church today because 120 people were obedient to tarry and wait for the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. See, if the enemy can't destroy you with the desire of gain, that those that desire money and wealth and material above God, then he'll destroy you with the lack of it by keeping you small-minded, by keeping us inside our limitations. That's what this is all about, stretch beyond. I'm not gonna be limited to this street. 
I'm not going to be limited to this property, this building. I'm not going to be limited to the house and to the property. I'm not going to be limited in what God can do. And you should not live limited in what God can do in your life. Do not lower your expectation down to your experience. Do not lower what you believe God can do down to what you have yet to see him do. To what he has not yet accomplished. It's something about being a giver. I showed you individuals through the Bible, just a few, that brought a little to God so he could do a lot. But in Romans chapter five, it shows us that God follows his own principle. In Romans chapter five and verse 15, but the gift is not like the trespass. For if by one man's trespass, many died, how much more have the grace of God and the gift which comes through the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to many? Why would God ask of me? Why would God ask of me? He's got everything. He's already got access to it all. And he gave it. He gave it all, his only begotten son, full of grace and truth. For God so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave. I'm so glad it doesn't say, for God so loved the world that he intended. For God so loved the world that he thought about. For God so loved the world that he hoped to, that he wished one day, no, for God so loved the world, he accompanied his belief in what could happen. For while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates faith in his own principles. That through one man, just a little bit, it's just one man. What can God do with just a little bit? Now we receive an overflow. If by the one man's trespass, death reigned, this is verse 17. One man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. How much more, everyone say more. We're expanding, we're increasing, we're going beyond. How much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Through one man. God said, all I need is one. All I need is a little bit. Just put a little bit in my hands. He's not asking for much. He's just asking for all. Last verse I have for you in Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Mark 12, 41. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. So what you need to understand is money doesn't make you generous. You don't make someone generous by making them prosperous. I said, you don't make someone generous by making them prosperous. Money has a funny way about it. Money only reveals what is already in the heart. Generous people don't need a lot. They just have all. She gave 
all that she had. Some of you may give in large sums today, but it's not the sum. God has never made it about what we give. He's never made it about when we give. He's never made it about if we give. He's always made it about how we give. The how behind the what. The how behind the when. The how behind. How do you give today? With the desire to see his kingdom advanced? With the desire to see his word fulfilled? With the desire to see his hand move in your life? It's about how. I refuse to pass up an opportunity now. And I thank God that I obeyed when I could only give 10 or 20 or 50. And now God has expanded that and increased that. I can give larger amounts. I can do more, but the generosity was always in the heart. When I stopped passing up opportunities that I thought were small, and I started valuing every opportunity. Because I know this, the, the world of the generous, it gets bigger and bigger. The world of the stingy just grows smaller and smaller. You don't make someone generous by putting money in their hand. Generosity is not a matter of what you have. It's a matter of what you give. It's a matter of how we can let it go. We received a word this morning from Miss Geraldine. Said we're in a season where Jesus, before he entered Jerusalem for the Passover, he sent his disciples into town to get a, a donkey, a colt. And the word was, loose him and let him go. The master has need of it. And that's what we're pronouncing to everything that we believe God has attached to the assignment of Anchor Faith Church. We say, loose it and let it go. The master has need of it. The master has need of it. And it's these acts of generosity. Uh, we, big vision demands big faith, but I'm gonna tell you right now, big faith starts with small steps. Big faith starts with the small steps. Doing what I can now. I've told you before, and this may be the case again this year, but, but we, I've had people tell me that, Pastor Mark, I, I didn't even have the, the, the biblical habit or the biblical practice in my life of even tithing on a regular basis as I should be. And my stretch is that I do that and I commit to that. Every paycheck, every income, every opportunity that I have, I'm tithing. And then from there, I'm, I'm not just tithing. I'm tithing and giving offering. From there, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing needs met as the, as the needs arise, as the vision is cast. I'm finding ways to contribute and give and be a blessing. Is money the only way you can give? Absolutely not. Is money the only way we can apply these principles? Absolutely not. But today... We're coming with a stretch offering, an expansion offering, believing at year's end that we're going into 2024, not withholding, but with a desire to give, to end this year strong, believing that the next year has even greater things in store. Mr. Chuck, if you go ahead and come. I'm, I know that there are testimonies all across this church of those of you. <coughs> I remember, I think it might have been our first year doing a stretch offering. Miss Adrian, right down here, gave. And she won something at a Christmas work thing that, would, that doubled what you gave. Sometimes a gift card or something. I mean, God can move in amazing ways. And of course, we don't give to get in return. But you need to know the testimonies and the stories of those that have obeyed the Holy Spirit. Not a pastor. I'll be honest with you, this is one of the worst things I am. This is one of the things I am the worst at. Is, is driving up and, and, and asking you, because at the end of the day, I, I'm like Pastor Hagen. I present the need, I cast the vision, you give as you obey the Holy Spirit. It's that simple to me. I know when there's opportunities that demand my response, whether it's $10, whether it's 
this year at Rama Bible Church. A storm came through Tulsa, Oklahoma, just before camp meeting this year. That they have a, if you're aware of the church there in, in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, it has a big faith shield on the top. It's the logo of Kenneth Hagin Ministries. And that thing used to spin and light up. And several years ago, it stopped spinning and stopped lighting up. It just sat there. A storm came through this year and blew right through that thing. And I mean, it just shattered it to pieces. All you saw was the structure of it. And Pastor Roddy Schaefer, you're all familiar with Pastor Roddy, Fort Walton Beach. He's been here multiple times. He'll be back here in April again for Kingdom Rise. He got up in front of everybody and said, that should bother you. He's talking to alumni. He's talking to all of us that are, our legacy is from that place. So that should bother you that that shield looks like that. That is our depiction. That's our emblem. That's our representation. It costs $300,000 to fix that thing. Not to just get it back to where it's up there, but where it's lighting up and moving again. Get a brand new one up there. And I'll have you know, we committed to give $10,000 from our church and from us personally toward getting that thing fixed. I know when a need arises that demands my response. I know when it's something I'm invested in, it's something I've received from, it's something from which something has poured into my life, you better believe I'm seeking a way to give back into that thing. And I easily could have said, I wish I could do more. Just needed 300 people to give $10,000. And they did it. And we got the email about a month ago. The shield's up there. Pastor Hagen took a picture with it. See a need, meet a need. See a need. It's the heart of generosity. It's not a heart that does all the math and see if it balances out. It's not the heart that, that says, well, let me see if God's word aligns with my checkbook. When God's word gets in your heart so much so and a, genero- a spirit of generosity gets in your heart so, you're looking back and saying, oh, we're gonna find a way to make this happen. God never asked you to give at your deficit. Isn't that right, Mr. Chuck? He never does. Um, yeah, so uh, 2 Corinthians ten seventeen says, if you're going to brag on anything, brag on the Lord. So that's what I'm doing right now. Um, a lot of you don't know exactly five weeks ago today, I, I had to go into the hospital. Uh, had, um, I had bladder and kidney problems, and they were pretty severe. Um, my kidneys were shutting down, but that's not the testimony um, he, God got me through that, got my numbers back up. Five days later, I was home. But um, uh, so I, I got home and uh, I knew the bills were coming. I had no insurance, health insurance. I had dropped it, which I don't recommend. <laughs> but um, so, so I said, I got a lot of bills coming. So I, they, here they come. About a week or two later, I had a total of over $18,000 worth of hospital bills and I had no insurance. So, but, but before that, I said, well, what's the logical thing to do? We got the stretch offering coming up. We got, I got $18,000 worth of hospital bills and I got Christmas coming up and I have six grandkids. So what's the logical thing to do? So I increased my tithing, weekly tithing by 20%, which, um, cause I know how the kingdom works. Amen. So, um, so anyway, uh, I went to the financial assistant people and they said they might be able to help you. And, um, the one lady looked at my paperwork, she saw my debt to ratio, uh, debt to income ratio. And she said, well, you probably make too much. They won't probably be able to do much. I said, I, I beg to differ with that. But, um, so she said, uh, the other lady said, well, they sent you this far. So you'll probably get a little bit of help, financial assistance. And again, like I just gave it all to God. So, um, I got about a week to 10 days later, I got a letter in the mail after they processed my information and God took an $18,000 debt and reduced it down to $3,300. So, um, and I thought maybe $1,000 I would knock off. So, but another side testimony to that, I was out of work for a week with the hospital and another week recovering. So I missed two weeks of work and um, they said, uh, there was no, my company was under no obligation to pay me. I was out of vacation time. I was out of sick leave. I was out of all my, my vacation in sick. So she, they said, um, I, I didn't think they were going to give me a dime, but I got back to work two, two weeks. There was two weeks worth of checks waiting for me, which I didn't even ask for. So they paid me for those two weeks, which they had no, no you know, obligation to do that. So if anybody here um, doesn't tithe or maybe God's telling them maybe pump up their tithing or, or don't know, don't, very, know much about the stretch offering, just go ahead and um, 
Try it. See what God wants to do, how he wants to bless you with your faith and obedience. And he says, um, seek first his kingdom and righteousness. Everything will be added to you. And God will supply all your needs according to his riches. God, coming out of his bank account, not ours. Amen. Praise God. I remember a season with Chuck. I, I can, I think I can boldly say this. He's never missed a week. Would I be accurate in that? I, I believe that. I'm being dead serious. There was a season where he lost his job. And he came to me and said, Pastor Mark, I'm going to tithe. I'm going to continue tithing. But I'm not going to tithe what I was making. I'm going to tithe what I believe, what I'm believing for in the next job. Out of his savings. This man right here challenges me encourages me. I'm not going to allow the enemy to rob me out of what I can do with the little because I think I need a lot. Because if I take a little, put it in his hands, he could do a lot. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to do this a little different today. Actually, let me do this. You sit back down. I'm getting it out of order. I want, my, I want you to share that testimony. While she's doing that, uh, there's offering envelopes in the seat back pockets in front of you. I know many of you give online. I know many of you use text to give and things of that nature. But I, I really want today to let's fully carry the action of giving with this assignment today. You'll see a special envelope in front of you. It's a stretch offering envelope. It looks different. It's brightly colored. It's got the big word stretch on the front. And I want you to use that for your giving. Now, if you're giving your tithe, your regular offering, any other items, you can still Mark those and note those on that envelope. You can write one check or however you want to do it, but please designate the stretch portion. And just in case you're not familiar, what is stretch? What is that even going toward? That's going toward future expansion. We named several new projects that we're launching into big projects. Uh, we already met with the architect for the preschool and the accommodations that we've got to do back there. That's going to be upwards of fifty dollars to $75,000 for the accommodations to get the preschool up and running there. And that's really just to get us started. That's not even the, the full answer of what that looks like. Eventually, we need to build out. We need to acquire more property. We want to be able to do that. I believe we can acquire this property next to us for under a million dollars. I believe that God can move in favor. But whatever they ask, I believe God can provide. I don't believe in having to skip other people because I'm believing for a miracle. We can bless the family in the process they can be blessed and we can be blessed. Amen. God is not small. God doesn't need a, 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 a sale. He doesn't need something to write off on his taxes at the end of the year. God doesn't need a deduction. He can do it. I want my wife to share with how we got into this property, the, the brief story, because I believe it'll challenge you the exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. While she's doing that, I want you filling out your checks, fill out your envelopes, and then we're gonna stand, we're gonna worship together, and then we're gonna give together as a family. Notice he said brief story, because <laughs> we can talk about the faithfulness of God all day long. He, how many of you know he is exceedingly abundantly, far more than we could ever imagine or comprehend with our natural mind? You know, this stretch series was birthed out of the season in our ministry where we knew we had to stretch that tent. We knew that God had called us here for a big vision that, you know, it's not about just a building, but we knew we need to have more room to house each of you that are sitting here. Before we even moved here, God saw you here in this house 
alongside us in this vision, advancing the kingdom of God. So we were in a season where we need to stretch, where we needed to uh, expand, and we needed room. Literally, we needed more square footage. That's the season we were in. And uh, many of you were with us in that season, and uh, we had our leaders standing in the back. And Miss Wylane, you remember, you were with us, and there was no more chairs. We literally had people sitting on the floor in our services. And so the Lord just began to move us in a season where we needed to begin to look for a new home for Anchor Faith Church. So uh, we began looking online and we found a location and man, it was an amazing location. It was an amazing building. It was beautiful. We could see it. We could see it. We could see it. But every time we walked in there, I don't know, I just, I didn't have a peace. You know, on the outside, it looked, wow, this is amazing. This is so much bigger than we were at. We could do so much with this. But I just kept getting, this isn't big enough. This is not big enough for where the Lord is calling us, for what he's putting in our hearts for this next season of Anchor Faith. So we began negotiations. I mean, we went as far as sitting down and looking at contracts and looking at what we can do. And we just didn't have that peace. And I remember Pastor Mark took a day and he just separated and he just prayed and he seeked the Lord. Is this it? If this is it, we're going we're gonna to go after this. If this isn't it, then release us, Lord, and we'll move on to the next thing. And I remember I got a phone call from him um, that afternoon, and he said, it's not it. I don't have a piece. I'm going to, you know, we're going to stop the negotiations. We're not going to move forward with this. So get online, do your thing, start looking for a location. Let's move on to the next. I said, all right, I got this. So I, I hung up with him, and the Lord reminded me of a moment Uh, where we were sitting at a table with our leadership. It was just a time that we were just sitting. We had taken the kids somewhere. We just wanted them to have a good time, a fellowship, just hanging out. We were sitting at a table, and I remember looking around thinking, this would make such an amazing church. It wasn't a church at that time, but I, I just knew this would make such an amazing church. I was looking around, and we're sitting in that building right now. So when I hung up the phone, the Lord said, go back. Look up that location. Look at that address, and it was for lease. So I called him. I said, you'll never believe what location is for lease. So we called um, our uh, realtor that um, we, I think we realized the property manager that was overseeing this location was also the property manager of our prior location. So we called him. He was in the hospital. He had fallen off a deer stand. So we had a ministry opportunity to pray healing over him. But he said, let me get with my brother-in-law. I'm going to have him show you, unlock it, show you the facility tomorrow. So the next day we were in here walking this facility. It looked a lot different. Many of you remember <laughs> to not look like this. Uh, but we began walking this facility. And I remember as we we were walking, you know, with our natural eyes, it did not look like this was it. But in the spirit, we knew this is home. We saw it. We saw the people. We saw the ministry that would take place. We saw the vision here and, and it just all worked out. And so basically, exceedingly abundantly, what happened is we got double the square footage for what they were asking for the location prior. So it took that initial step of faith to say, okay, God, we're going to begin to step out because the finances weren't there. It wasn't all there to be able to go in and renovate and do all the things that we would need to do to a new location. And there's a lot of things that go into that. So it was that initial step of faith saying, God, we trust you. We don't have the, all the answers. We don't know how this is going to happen. We don't know how, you know, the finances are going to come in, but we trust you. We know that you've called us here for such a time as this. We know the vision's great. We know the vision's big. So we took that first initial step and it wasn't that building, but he's, God said, because of your step of obedience, I'm going to honor that. And I'm going to do far greater than you could ever imagine or think. And so we moved in here. We began to lease it. We began to renovate it. And then the Lord opened the door for us to purchase this. And before we even purchased this property, the, the owner of this building bought the lot across the street. He had no reason to buy the lot. He didn't know at that time, but the Lord needed that. So that was included in this, in this house. And, you know, we're believing God. There's more, there's more, there's more. This vision is big. There are still so many more people in Lowndes County and surrounding counties in our region that need to be reached for the kingdom of God. So this today is a moment of consecration. This is a moment of saying, God, I trust you. This is my step of faith. I've told many of you, I believe that we're entering into a season of exceedingly abundantly. And I believe the Lord wants to honor 
this moment of consecration in your in your life, this step of faith. I believe the Lord is calling back prodigal sons and daughters, and they're not just going to come home. They're going to come home and pursue and serve God with all they have. I believe that we're going to see healing manifestations beyond what we could ever imagine or think in such a way that we can't explain it with our own words. All we'll be able to say is, this is God. This is a faithfulness of God. We're going to see just miracles taking place that is exceedingly abundantly homes that you're believing God for exceedingly abundantly just put your faith attach your faith as you come forward today don't just drop it in the bucket attach your faith to what you're sowing and what you're putting in that bucket and say God I trust you this is a step of faith but I trust you exceedingly abundantly hallelujah she didn't she she didn't mention it was double the space but half the price so God was stretching us with that first negotiation. And then we saw God do something even above what we thought he could do in that moment. Two weeks ago, we did a Thanksgiving distribution. We had vehicles lined up down this road. And the Lord told me, I was down here at the back. I was at the exit waving as people were leaving. And the Lord told me, he said, they're lining up for natural food. But soon they'll be lining up for spiritual food for the word of God that'll change their life, for the water that they'll drink and they'll never be thirsty. Again, this is not about what God can do for us. This is about what God can do through us. We're partnering with him. We're stretching our faith. We're expanding our capacities to believe that God can do something great and mighty through us. Go ahead and stand up if you would. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.